Boulevard in scintillating Hollywood, California, at the grooviest of all comedy venues in the western region of the United States, the Nerd Melt, here, the Nerd Melt showroom, right here behind the Nerd Melt comic book store on Sunset Boulevard, where some of the people browsing could bathe more often, and where I will douse myself with hand sanitizer after touching the most common object in this building. To me, this is like Amoeba Records, which is further up the road or down the road or wherever which way you want to be on Sunset. Everyone gets to touch everything, and so therefore, when I touch everything after everyone's touched everything, I have to anoint myself in uh, sanitizer. Uh, I I, I baptize myself in sanitizer afterward because, uh, not that I'm that afraid. If something falls on the floor, I eat it. Uh, I don't have a five-second rule. I just pick it the fuck up and eat it. My wife will be like, there's cereal around your chair. I'm like, I'm getting to that. Uh, Very exciting to be here. I'm on my way to Austin, Texas tomorrow, and I know we have people listening in Austin. If you're listening in Texas, if you're listening in the southwestern region of the United States or Region E, uh, the swampy part of the United States, or the other part of the United States where the Confederate flag is flown unironically, welcome. Uh, This is a great time to light one up and shoot a fucking road sign and get your shit together. Let's dip. Let's dip and go on a date. That's what I say. Let's be bold. Um, let's have a Dr. Nut. And as Ignatius J. Riley said, frosty cold if you value your life. Um, uh, to everybody listening out there in podcast land out in Europe and shit like that, uh, which is a beautiful big city and uh, uh, dotted with countries. It's just amazing how many countries there are in Europe. It's almost like it's a continent. And... Um, <laughs> Willkommen and uh, a bientôt or welcome and bienvenue. The, there's, it's a world of hopes and a world of fears. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. There's so much that me share and Greg Proops has got big hair. It's a small world after all. Um, welcome to the show. Like I say, it's a groovy time to, um, to have a drink. I, I know we are here while I am here. Most people are staring at me and watching me while I drink in a Dan Harmonian way because I have a bucket of vodka behind me here. Should this giant solo cup that I'm drinking from run empty at at any point. Is there anything sadder than a man with an empty solo cup? Because you're already talking about 16 ounces of cold loser juice being poured before the show begins. If you can quaff that down and still be belly aching for more and trying to slake uh, that everlasting thirst that cannot be sated uh, with more drafts of vodka, Greg, I don't think you're going to find it in the bottom of a glass, Greg. Um, fuck one and two, you is my answer to that. I'm not looking for anything. I just wanted to drink. Um, if I was looking for something, I'd be a philosopher and not a comedian with a radio show that's called a podcast. It's like radio, but it's on demand. Radio just plays all the time, willy-nilly. <laughs> willy-nilly, hither and yon, or willy-hithy, nither and yon. It plays nithy-nithy and whippy-doo, and it plays anything it wants, uh, often classic rock, and then talk radio, uh, which is always illuminating. Hey, you know what's wrong with this country, Catholics? Um, but a podcast you download on your own. 
in the darkest night, uh, while the gibbous moon rises, and you see a small salamander crawling upon your sill, and the salamander looks at you and gazes in recognition because it sees the button you're pushing when it sees my logo pop up on your computer or your iPhone. And at that very moment, it's the moment when you commune with the amphibians. And when we commune with the amphibians, there's no stopping us as a race. Too long, we've turned our back on those who were born in gelatinous sacks. And yeah, yeah, we're birthers is what we are. We, th- we think live birth is the way to go. But if you've been born in gelatinous in a sack with only the nutrition that surrounded you while you had weird purple eyes and then you had to fly out into the fucking uh, water with just one giant tail and some vestigial legs and face off a koi, I think your perspective might be a little different. That's all I'm saying. Do a lot of amphibians listen to the show, Greg? I'm not sure. They don't break it down that way for me on the count out. Uh, They send us a breakdown of who listens, but we really get no interspecies listening figures whatsoever. It's something I'm going to take up with the authorities. Whoever the authorities have podcasting are. It's the PCC, the Podcasting Corporation of 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 a clandestine activities or whatever it is. I don't even know what the FCC stands for other than unbelievable sellout whoredom uh, busting Howard Stern until he takes to satellite radio uh, is what the FCC does. Uh, in any case, we're heading for Austin, Texas because uh, we're doing some gigs with our, our Who's Line friends, uh, Ryan Stiles and Jeff Davis and Chip Eston, who you'll see every week on ABC's uh, Nashville as the character Deke, where he plays an ex-alcoholic. And I'm here to tell you, I'm working with Chip this weekend. He's not an ex-alcoholic. I'm not letting the pony out of the corral on this one, nor am I binding the bulls and ads in any painful way so that it jumps higher. What I'm doing in a cowboy sense is simply outing Chip as a normal, regular human being who drinks after the show and a little bit before and a lot during. And then in the morning when we get up and then later when we're talking to each other, he drinks during all those times. But other than that, he doesn't drink hardly at all. But on the show Nashville, he can't drink because he gave up drinking, right? Because giving up drinking is such an important thing and whatnot. I think I discussed it on the show once before. There was a Texas Ranger, and he's moved over to uh, Philly, is it? Uh, Justin... Oh, cock. I can't remember his name. He won the MVP a couple years ago. He's one of the million baseball players named Justin or Bryce. And he was a cokehead and he was a drunk. And then he quit doing it and he said, uh, 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 it's a God thing. And I, I said on this show, I love that you think that the uh, deities who watch over the universe take a personal interest in your shitty lack of self-control. And that you can invoke a higher deity like God at any point to, just to talk about your own hideous case. Uh, and I said, where, where we break apart on this one is... I would adore to have the attention of all the spheres and all the majestic beings that live inside, even the space baby from 2001, as he makes his ceaseless perambulations around the globe with his giant, horrible, tumescent, uh, uh, you know, uh, luminescent um, um, vermilion eyes uh, that are closed in that embryonic way. Uh, Even that baby, I think, um, I I would like his attention. But my god is Dionysus, the god of theater and wine. So I, I, I already have his attention. Or her attention, or whoever Dionysus was. As you know, the, the, the witch cult that attended Dionysus uh, used to go into the forest and rip men to shreds <laughs> while taking psychedelic drugs. Now, that's a fucking cult. Why don't we bring that back? <laughs> How did we get diehard Christianity 2,000 years later? What a fucking bummer. Only the ones who handle snakes and shit like that are any fun at all. All the rest of them and stuff, but women's uteruses are evil places. They're like a garbage dump for his loyalty, for guilt and horror. And 
the guns are fun because they shoot the people who are bad and the bullets know the way because of God and the ah. fuck really I, I don't think Christians were that big a drag when they started alright they were here's the deal <laughs> When they started, it was the pagan days, right? And uh, uh, the pagans had it right in a lot of ways, right? How can you say the pagans had it right, Greg? Because they invented Christianity. Yeah. Uh, one and two, uh, they had a God for everything. And I just, I really feel like one all knowing, all seeing white dude with a beard can't cover the waterfront the way I need it covered. <laughs> if we were uh, idolaters and pagans, like in Roman times or in the Aztec times or whatever times you can think of, uh, there would be a God in that bucket there guarding the vodka. There'd be a God in this microphone guarding the electricity that takes it out to the ether. There'd be uh, gods in all the lights here and, and everything I did. In, in the writing instrument you held would be a sacred stylus that I would have to lay on the floor and dip into a thing of ink and then I think you'll find it's a pot of ink and uh, I'd dip it into a pot of ink and, I'd, and with, with, with manicured brush strokes and with uh, the highest art of calligraphy and with staying inside the lines and with every attentiveness to uh, the situation I would be writing instead of just riffing all over the place and then throwing paper first of all you wouldn't throw paper away like this ever in the old days that would be cavalier this took a year to make <laughs> this sheet of paper was bound out of papyrus horrible misshapen trolls with lumpy feet had to stand on it forever and ever to make it soft and then people whose eyesight was failing with their fingers scrabbling to gain purchase had to weave it together and then stamp it and then squash it down again the, 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 the uh, process of making papyrus was arduous at best and painstaking at the very least and uh, no now we just take paper and do whatever we want if you're young I'll explain paper is uh, something that people used to use to write on and stuff before they had uh, an electric tablet that had all their friends in it and their personality contained inside of it. All the important things in the world. Oh, look, I can buy a coffee with it. I can touch it. I can watch pornography on it. It's like, I, ooh, I'm, oh, uh, 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 uh. I wish I was inside it. If that hole was any bigger, fortunately, my dick is so small, I can get it inside the hole. Uh, paper, paper is uh, amazing and uh, has to be respected and uh, uh, I find it quite convenient I still carry a pen and let me tell you a little something um, what, are, are you ever going to finish the thought about going to Austin yeah, yeah. hang around um, as was it Andrea Martin on, on SCTV and Mrs. Falbo's Tiny Town this is Mrs. Falbo's Tiny Town come on in and hang around the greatest inducement to watch a child's program ever hang around um, so uh, we, um, uh, we're going to Austin but before I get to Austin uh, does anyone remember what I was just talking about paper, paper. Oh. paper thank you I just remembered when you yelled it out I, uh, I play comedy clubs as you know all over the country and all over the world because I can't get work uh, at home and so I, uh, when I'm, everywhere I go I'm taking an informal poll of all the comedians that I work with and um, uh, we, are, we are a fraternity if you will and I, forgive me for using the male I include uh, um, the women comedians as well uh, in our fraternity I mean it in the sense of a guild uh, that type of fraternity uh, like the French Revolution Fraternity, egalit, whatever it was, right? And they have a thing and giant breasts and waving a, <laughs> waving a flag and whatnot. And then, as I pointed out earlier, like in Le Mis, I have a kicky. 
I have a kicky beret and a little, a little waistcoat, right? Because that's the best part of being in any of the French revolutions, the clothes. They, they revolved in better clothes than anyone else. I mean, you've seen Dr. Zhivago. And when they're in the Russian Revolution, people are wearing rags. Uh, albeit the men have stern mustaches. But in the, the 1830s and 1870s French revolutions, holy cow, I could get down with that today. If I could get away with wearing jeans or, or awesome corduroy pants tucked into high boots and a little cap, I would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be wearing that, though, then. I would be the ascetic guy with the pince-nez glasses, if you know what pince-nez are. Pince-nez are the ones that hold your nose and have a little clip there, and then you wear them on a chain that goes to your pocket and shit like that, and I would have hair parted down the middle, um, and I would have a, a, a waistcoat on, right, and a big, uh, a, one of those, like, floppy silk tie, you know, like Baudelaire wore or whatever, Oscar Wildinian, 1870s kind of uh, tie like that, and, uh, and, and a, a a boutonniere and possibly a nosegay and instead of a big glass of uh, of uh, vodka uh, bought at the uh, CVS pharmacy in a red solo cup I would have a draft of Benedictine in a pony <laughs> if I was Huismon I could spend an hour and a half talking about every kind of liqueur that I would drink one after the next and the bouquet on it um, so in my sense, senseless, in my senseless quest, in my endless senseless senselessness, and my senselessness, and the sensitive endless sensitivity of my quest endlessly that I quest upon, and around the world telling comedy jokes, uh, when I'm backstage with the other comedians, uh, I often will make a, a small deli platter. Just to keep them... I'm joking, of course. I wouldn't... Uh, I wanted the audience to know I was joking there because no, there was no laughter. So sometimes I have to indicate where humor goes, even if humor doesn't exist there anymore. It's like being a spelunker. What's that part? There's no oxygen. Fuck, we should send a canary over there or whatever. The canary's already dead. It's laying on the floor. That's, a, that's an expiring canary. And... Uh, that's an expired canary. <laughs> the, uh, when I'm backstage, uh, I, I have a little book. I don't have it on me tonight because I'm doing the podcast and not my stand-up. But I have a little book that I carry. Yes, it's a moleskin. Sometimes I have a little leather one. I also have one that says The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler that's a blank one. I have various little blank books. And I have my little pen here, right? And I... Um, uh, I, I take out my book and I write my jokes in it and, and I've noticed that all the other comedians I say that to make it sound like I'm some big organized fucking you know that I'm yeah right that I'm William Sapphire or whatever I'm deconstructing words you know I, I'm right I'm Jacques Derrida I'm you know oh, oh, let me just jot down some notes so that later I'll write a whole chapter on semiotics and the uh, you know I'll just crack one off shall I I write all my jokes on pieces of a hotel stationery that are almost always this size, right? They're about that big. And so I have five million little pieces of paper. And I, I have a big uh, folder and I take them out and they fall everywhere. And I rummage through them and then I take two and stick them in the book. And that's the organization for the night. And then I'll, then I'll pull them out and it'll say on the, on the piece of paper, Britney Spears Olsen twins. And I'm like, great, this set's from 2004. <laughs> This is going to, wow, am I going to make comedy magic here tonight with this set? The thing about Clinton is he got impeached. It's always the old days when I rock the mic, rock the mic. And, uh, but every other comic carries a book. 
I've met two comics in the last three years that write their jokes on a phone. They all have phones. Everyone has a phone. And then they say to me, sometimes I think of a one-liner and I text it to myself. And then I go, but how do you write, write, write? How do you write the material that you speak, right? And everyone takes a pen and writes it on a piece of paper. And then later, when you're collating and gathering and, uh, uh, and putting, it, putting the act together, then maybe you put it on a computer and then print it out if you have to. But up until that point, it's something about squeezing it out of your head onto the page through the pen. That's the only way I can remember it. If I type something, I can't remember it. I realize this is deficiency in my part, not some astute observation about left brain, right brain, but rather, I'm sure there's people out there right now who are like four years old who are transcribing this show with their thumbs furiously as we speak and can remember every word of it as integers. They don't just remember it as words, they remember it as colors that go with every letter. You know what I mean? Like yellow, blue, marillion, yellow, blue, you know, that's how they're thinking right now. So their thinking's way more advanced than mine, which is, uh, I think, impossible to untrain at this point. Speaking of untraining, we're taking a plane to Austin, and then when we get there, uh, I've been to Austin a couple of times. The last time I was there was for South XSW. And uh, that was last year. I did a show there. Uh, I did several shows there. And um, uh, it poured rain for three days. So don't let anyone tell you that Austin is uh, sunny all the time because it was not just pouring rain. It was a pissing down, unceasing fucking torrent. Like, it really was. It was like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, uh, um, you remember Noah? <laughs> It was a bummer, man. There was no taxis to be had in Austin. And eating barbecue outside when it's raining, not as fun. There's something about wet bread that's sadder than anything else that could ever be sad. Wet bread is sadder than anything, really. Because you take a bite and you're like, oh, fuck, the bread's wet. Because then the next bite just lets you down. And then you're just holding pork. Holding beef in your hand with a shroud of flour around it that's been sent back to its natural desiccated wet flour state or whatever that it was in before you started eating it. It went through the whole process of ballooning up and yeasting and being in an oven and, and being inflated, and now it's just being reduced by the elements uh, to a sad hero. Or whatever they call them in Texas. In the, in the Midwest, or what are they? Grinders and shit? Haggis? Haggis? And then if you're in New York, right? Or Philly, what is it? It's a hero, right? And then here, we're in California. They're submarines. They come from underwater and they're quite lengthy. I could eat this sandwich for ages. Fortunately, it doesn't rain much here, so it's never that sad. The time before I was in Austin was the summer before uh, I went out and did a, I was I did a podcast at two in the afternoon at a coffee shop there during an improv festival called Out of Bounds, which was a very fun festival to do. But when he booked me for a coffee shop at two in the afternoon, I've never wanted to scissor kick a person as hard. <laughs> As I did that guy, because the night before I had done an interview with him and we were in a 75 seat theater. So the next day we pitch up and we're at a coffee shop and I literally people are like drinking coffee and they, what the fuck is this? I was trying to have a mochaccino and now I'm up there. The government, the government, pot. What about pot and the government? Kittens McTavish, pot and the government. People are trying to have a fucking quiet coffee, whatever, Texas in the middle of the day and shit. And then I brought up, uh, oh golly, who had died then? Um, uh, uh, Ashford and Simpson. It was um, um, 
Nick uh, Ashford had, uh, uh, Nick Ashford had died from Ashford and Simpson and I might as well have said uh, fucking you know blind lemon Jefferson died or whatever the Texas crowd was like is that a nigra you're talking about there what is, this is what they call the soul music so let me get it straight no one ever goes like this when they're dancing to it <laughs> Yeah, Nick Ashford wrote uh, uh, Found a Cure, right? Ashford and Simpson, they're, they're the coolest. Uh, and, uh, and he had that awesome cowardly lion look. But I, I, was, I was barking up the wrong tree in Austin with that one. So I'm getting it right this time. We're going to do improv off the TV. And uh, I'm not saying Austin isn't cool. Austin itself is cool. At South by Southwest, I was performing, as I said on the show, for a room full of people who'd spent an inordinate amount of time on their blog talking about how much they hated Iron Man 2. So it was a room full of 31-year-old dudes with knapsacks and iPhones. And when I started talking about abortion rights, the whole crowd went quiet because as, a, as one to a man, none of them had ever thought about it. Ever in their life. Because there's no, there's no abortion app. There's no free-thinking lady choice app. If it was called Hot Chicks of the Uterus or whatever, or, uh, you know, Hot Utero Lining Crimson Tide fucking bikini, bikini models or whatever, or, you know, cock-sucking fetuses or something, then they would have, then they would have downloaded it immediately. They would have many-loaded many things. They would have unloaded, too. But they all sat there with their eyes like this and their eyes crossed. And that was when I said, open up your mangina and let me in. Austin's all right. So last night, I went to Anaheim, California. Won't you please explain, Greg? Why did you venture into Orange County? You live quite safely here in the confines of Hollywood. In fact, I live alarmingly close to the bitter hinterlands of West Hollywood. I can see West Hollywood uh, from the vast expanse of the Tower of, of Prupination that stands above my house. Uh, kittens and I uh, often, of an evening, uh, write about Evensong. We'll go after, after Vespers. Kittens and I will ascend the staircase together. Uh, I removed my velvet slippers for the last few steps because they're made of carnelian marble and it's very treacherous, particularly when the moisture's in the air like it is today. And then I'll lift the sash and fly open the shutters and uh, Kittens and I will gaze out balefully at West Hollywood and then uh, uh, I, I, I can't see the street sign that says Dick's, but it is my favorite West, West Hollywood street sign. There is a street called Dick's in West Hollywood. <laughs> And uh, uh, from there, we, we take in the entire case. But why did you go to Anaheim, Greg? I shall explain. Um, we went to see uh, the Rolling Stones last night. And um, the Rolling Stones, yeah, woo indeed. Uh, the Rolling Stones are still on the road, which is, uh, if this was 10 years ago or even 15, I probably would have taken a cheap crack at them. But now that I find myself closer in age to them than I am to the people who are behind me, I have nothing but unbounded respect for... Let me state this case clearly. Mick Jagger's waist kicks your ass. There's no way around that. The name of the tour is 50 and Counting, which is the shittiest name for a tour ever. Antique Roadshow is taken. Mon Monsters of Medicinally Assisted Cock was taken. 
So they went with 50 cows. They started as a group over 50 years ago. I can't think of another group that is performing as a group that's 50 years old. The Beach Boys kind of-ish, uh, but but really there's still three guys from the original, me- or no, I guess Charlie joined a little bit later in the year, but from basically the original essence and intent of the band, uh, there's three guys. The new guy, Ron Wood, is from 1975. <laughs> there's people listening to the show who are like, 1975 is shrouded in the dim and distant past, Greg. <laughs> I guess people listen to records that were made of papyrus then. And they were very difficult to press. And uh, they dragged out Mick Taylor last night, which was awesome. But let me tell you, first of all, we headed for Anaheim. My wife goes, why are we going to Anaheim? It was the only night that I had off that they were playing. They'd already done Staples Center here in Hollywood, which is like, first of all, if you're going to name yourself after a giant stationary concern, you're just taking the sex out of the place right away. Uh, But Greg, I thought you said you loved paper. Yeah, it's not called Hammurabi's famous code written on papyrus fucking cuneiform tablet, you know, champignons deciphers the fucking glyphs out of a lozenge plaza. It's called Staples Center. Home of corporate bullshit. You'll be made to park where you don't want and watch a video screen incessantly. If you've ever been to a basketball game at Staples, this is what a basketball game at Staples is like. Y'all ready for this? That's what a game is like. It's horrible. It's like torture. It's not like a game. Game should you should hear when you're watching basketball, all you should hear is boom, boom, boom. The tennis shoes. That's all you should hear. Like, I go to baseball games because I love baseball. But I went to Dodger Stadium a few weeks ago with Dave Anthony. I've told this already on the show. But now, as Dave Anthony said, it's like a NASCAR match. It really is. There's just endless fucking advertising playing in every two seconds. And every batter has a theme song. And it's so unbelievably cliche. Every Latin player's theme song is donk, bonk, 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 bonk. And every black player says, yeah, what's up? And every white player says, hang, 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 hang. You're like, Jesus Christ. Who fucking picked this music? Simon Cowell? (laughs) How much more cliche can we be? So we get in the car and we head for Anaheim. Now, let me explain what Anaheim is and what Orange County is to everyone out there listening in the world. For those of you listening uh, um, uh, in England, uh, well, I've, I've told you this before. Orange County is a lot like Germany right before World War II. Except there's palm trees. There's just as many German cars. Uh, It's not as white as it was. I think it's about half Latin and Asian now. But they act like it isn't. And that's the awesome part of Orange County. I haven't played a gig in in Irvine for a while. There's a a comedy club in Irvine there. Uh, 2010 I played there was the last time because the Giants were in the playoffs with the Phillies when I played there. And I had it on my dressing room. That's how I remember. That's how I remember everything. There's only these lines of demarcation. Uh, What famous jazz musician died or what important game the Giants were participating in is how I mark every moment of my life. What about when your third daughter was born? Oh, whatever. I have so many kids. Uh, they're everywhere. Uh, but, so I was playing down there, and what I want to get at is this. Orange County is a state of mind. It's a very white state of mind. There's a place there called Newport Beach. There's a place there called, um, how do I say it, uh, Tustin. 
Uh, you know, I, I, there's no explaining Orange County. It's so close to L.A. It really is. Physically, it's maybe 25, 30 miles away. Philosophically, it's, uh, it's uh, light years away from uh, Los Angeles. Whenever I'm there, I'll say, you should come to where I live in Hollywood and see gay people and Negroes live amongst you. And it's not that they don't have gay people and Negroes. They're just in denial that they do. To them, everyone's blonde. Everyone wears flip-flops. Here's a conversation I was in with a guy from Orange County years ago on a plane to Mexico. We were sitting next to each other, and he looked precisely like Sammy Hagar's brother if Sammy Hagar had been in a horrible accident where he'd returned through the atmosphere without any gear to protect him from the, from the heat of reentry. His head was kind of, you know... But he had the sandy damaged brownie blonde hair. He had flip-flops on. He had the hideous faux Mexica shirt on, right? And he had the, the cropped shorts with the big bulging pockets. And he goes, man, I think if anyone commits a crime, they should just have the fucking death penalty like in Saudi Arabia. And at that point, I knew no matter how short the flight was, it was going to be too long. <laughs> Because the one thing about idiotic people with no philosophy whatsoever who are unbelievably archaic, retroactive, medieval, and hideous in their, uh, their, their recidivist outlook is that they're unashamed in sharing as long and loudly and largely as they can. It's like racists. Racists, if they see you're from the same race as them, will launch in immediately and never let you go, even though they don't know that you're not a racist. And so through the whole cab ride, you're like, yes, that's right. Pakistanis certainly do seem sneaky. I wonder. <laughs> Your darky jokes are tremendously entertaining and so clever. I can't tell you how. There must be an international brotherhood of racist cab drivers because I've never been to a city where a white cab driver didn't start in on other inferior races that he perceived as a threat to his livelihood as a cab driver. Uh, in London, it's just classic. Glasgow is my favorite. I got told a, oh, what was it? It was like a Star Trek Arab joke. It had a Star Trek premise. Thank you. And then the punchline was, because in the future, there won't be any Arabs. Oh, here's your stop. Ireland. Oh, my God. Ireland. What was I told in Ireland in a cab? There's, there's no black people here because they can't swim, you see. <laughs> oh, we quip and we wit and we wit and we quip and we ride and we quip and we wit and we quip and we... Oh, kittens. So, uh, um... Want to make sure the vodka's flowing smoothly before you pour in case there's any obstructions in the neck of the bottle. This, this one appears to be okay. Normally I order a vodka-flavored drink, but I'm ordering one for myself this time. So uh, I'm playing Irving, Irvine. Irving's in Texas, and um, just outside of uh, Dallas. And so we go to, we're in Anaheim, which is uh, Ir Irvine, which is outside of Anaheim. Like I say, they have this mindset. And um, it's a very Voltarian uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Pangloss mindset. Dr. Pangloss' philosophy was this is the best of all possible worlds, which is, of course, looking reality right in the eye and saying, I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm staking a claim for fantasy because it's more comfortable for me. Uh, you'll find that a lot of groups do it. Uh, uh, the people who watch Fox News, they want the world to be a certain way, so it is. 
It just fucking is. Uh, 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 women are sneaky, and uh, uh, when, when, when poor people get shot, that's cool. Uh, you know, there's that world. And then there's liberals. There's the other white-sharing, caring, Huffington Post, fucking Matthew McConaughey liberal world where people... Smoking's bad. But what about poor people who are in prison and shit like that who are facing fucking uh, being raped by everyone else before the night's over? Shouldn't they have the chance to have a fucking Lucky Strike filterless one if they want? No, because it'll be harmful to them. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, that world. The people, who, the junkies who check the sell-by date on cottage cheese at the Air One Health Food. <laughs> I don't want to put anything bad in my body unless it's in a big needle going into my eye. <laughs> so there's that. So I'm on stage in Irvine, and it was, it was toward Christmas. What was it? It was the playoffs. So it was October, November. And uh, I don't know why I brought it. Oh, I, was t- I have a hilarious joke in my comedy routine. I don't have my book with me. That's why I forgot. So in my, in my hilarious comedy jokes, I say, uh, 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 Christmas, you know, um, you, what is it? Uh, fuck you, fuck you. you. You put cinnamon on it. You put cinnamon on it. I hate you. I hate you. Ling, 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 ling. You know, Christmas. <laughs> and you guys laugh. Everyone laughs. You know what I mean? This is what Christmas is like to most people. In Orange County, mm-mm. the crowd just, mm-mm. not only do they go quiet, they were judgmental of my dysfunctional Christmas. <laughs> Evidently, none of them had ever had a fight on Christmas Day. No one had ever gotten drunk in their family. No one had ever put cinnamon on it. No one had ever stolen the batteries from the doll or the toy or the phone or whatever. Every day, when they got up on Christmas morning, they kissed one another and went, sorry about the incest last night. It's just that your, your golden hair and your tan are irresistible to me. You know, uh, they, they, that's how they are. They just, nothing is wrong with their world. And so I said, doesn't anybody remember the words of Philip Larkin, the poet? Well, okay, now you can see that I'm driving into a cul-de-sac <laughs> with an armored car. I'm, I'm the asshole. I'll, I'm even letting it Orange County off the hook for this one. When I say to a crowd in Irvine, do you remember the words of Philip Larkin, the poet? There's one, no. no we, we don't read poetry here. Poetry's not printed on money, Greg. So we would never read that. And secondly, Philip Larkin, no, we're not gay or Negro. We're not Negro and gay like you are. Philip Larkin said, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They don't mean to, but they do, right? And I quoted that to them. I said, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They don't mean to, but they do. And the crowd, we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control brick by brick. We don't need in the classroom. Teacher, leave those kids alone. There was a wall. And the, as I said, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. The last Roger fucking Waters put the last brick right there so that they were no longer seeing or feeling me. No, our mom and dad didn't fuck us up. We're here drinking with them tonight. Then we're all going to get in our big fucking fuck off SUV and drive back to our palatial house out near the ocean where we're almost certain our Mexican is stealing. I mean, it was like that. And of course, the more they were like that, the more I bore in on them. And it's the only crowd in the world, because I play all over, like I say. I'll say how many people have been to Hawaii. In Anaheim, I don't have to ask how many people have been to Hawaii. Every single person in the room. 
And I'm not kidding when I say that. I mean every single person in the room has been to Hawaii. Now, for those of you who don't know, let me orient you, if you will. California is on the west coast of the United Snakes. Hawaii is some 3,000 miles due west of us. There is nothing further afield on earth than Hawaii. No archipelago, no mass of land anywhere is as far from another mass of land as Hawaii is. I'm not kidding when I say it. I didn't make it up. It is further away from anything than anything else in the world. It took ages for the Polynesians to get there doing catamaran drive-bys on other tribes. <laughs> they built enormous catamarans like Kevin Costner has in Waterworld that have the, the that had triang that had sails that met like this so that they could gather the dew off their sails into gourds and that's how they had fresh water for that long ass trip across the Pacific because it took fucking ages baby uh, guided by the trade winds pigs on the boat right on the raft and whatnot maybe a few guavas and whatnot and then they just gathered the water and that's how they fucking got to Hawaii they were able to hop up the side of Asia and then there's no more Asia then it ends and then it's a fucking four and a half thousand mile shot to the middle of the fucking Pacific Ocean where Hawaii is. So, why you say this, Greg? It takes five hours from the closest place to get to Hawaii. That means from Orange County Airport, which awesomely is named John Wayne Airport. <laughs> well, it's John Wayne International. Hold on a second. I see some nips trying to land. John Wayne lived down there, and he used to go to the South Coast Mall, which is a big fancy mall in Orange County, and he didn't wear his toupee, and he would buy donuts, and he'd walk around and sign autographs. And I love John Wayne for that. I really do. He was a fascist, but he wasn't the biggest fascist that ever lived, and he was a big hawk during the Vietnam War and shit, but I think he was, a, in a lot of ways, a hilarious person as well. And uh, anyone who will not wear their toupee and eat donuts in a mall, his wife would just go, get out of the house. <laughs> He was married to a Mexican woman named Pilar at that point. And he wrote, oh, I'm going I'm to go down to the mall. <laughs> well, let me, have a, let me have a baker's dozen of those cinnamon holes. <laughs> Boy, howdy, these are crud. <gasps> cinnamon holes are covered with sugar. Ah. Uh, so that's how they act in Irvine. So my wife is very trepidatious because she's been to Orange County maybe three or four times. And uh, she doesn't do well unless there's gays and Jews all around her. <laughs> so I'm like, a, I'm like a warm, enveloping, demi-hemi blanket. Uh, so uh, we're driving down, and I said we leave two hours. Because as you know, when you play the Irvine Improv, they'll go, hey... Because you live in L.A. I live in L.A. The comics live in L.A. It's, it's an in-town gig. No, it's not. Unless your idea of in-town is getting in a car and sitting for two fucking hours on the freeway. Because the freeway, the 25-mile stretch between here and Orange County, is populated with cars, peopled with cars. There is nothing but cars. It is a wall of cars. It is a line of cars. It is karma fucking getting every fucking day. Don't even think about the 405. Don't even think about the 405 freeway. Because it's not moving. As we speak, as we're sitting here right now, there's someone in the 405 sitting there like this going, fuck, 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 fuck. And then there's a person... There's a person in the car next to them listening to Jack FM going, Oh, my little pretty one, oh, pretty one, when you want to give me some time, Sharona. You know what I mean? You know what's happening on the 405 right now. The 405 is the worst thing God ever made. 
The 710's a bummer. The 5's a bummer. The 60's a bummer. The 57's a bummer. These are freeway names. This is how we communicate here, by the way. I'd like the rest of the world to know that we say, I was going to take the Hollywood down to the Golden State. Because we give our freeways cute names. And the freeway names change during different parts of the freeway. So the Hollywood's not the Hollywood the whole time. You just have to know, like a native, that the Hollywood changed names and became something else. Where the fuck are you from? Isn't everyone from here? I think if someone commits a crime, they should chop their hands off like Saudi Arabia. I can't drive 55. You can't drive five. Because you're on the fucking 405. You can't, never mind 55. You won't be driving 55. You could, you could cook a meal on your engine block. Traffic's going so slow. So my wife and I are sitting our ass in the traffic. And because it's before the show, I don't know about you. Like some shows you go to, you listen to the music of the band you're going to go see before you get there, right? Like say you're going to go see uh, that, you know, whatever, I don't know, fucking what bands you guys go see. Say you're going to go see a, a, a you know, Death Cab for Cutie or whatever. <laughs> say you're going to that awesome corn reunion concert. <laughs> or Modest Mouse or whatever the fuck you people listen to. I'm trying to hip it up here, but I'm only, I'm only making it to about 2001. <laughs> If I say Gomez or Snow Patrol, I'm just going to embarrass myself at this point. So, or whatever, a group from two years ago, whatever they're called. Uh, say, say you're uh, taking a carriage to go see a Decembrist concert. Say you're, say you're in a covered wagon playing an accordion on your way to see that show. Maybe doing some whittling while you chew a piece of grass. And your, your wife's making a rotogr- making, doing a brass rubbing in the, in the seat next to you. Uh, we're, we were listening to regular, like, classical music and whatnot. And uh, uh, so it just took for fucking ever. Finally, we get there. And, like, I had the GPS on because I'm the, I can't. I, I honestly, I got lost on my way to this table before the show. I'm, my wife will attest to this, that there's no, I can't find my way. And uh, that's why that Peter Frampton song... Uh, I, I always really liked because I do want you um, to show me the way every day otherwise I'll never fucking get there if I wasn't driven by people to where I'm going I would never get anywhere so uh, I, I, I can drive around LA like I know where the Fatburger is I know where like four Fatburgers are all in my neighborhood I can even take you to a secret one that no one knows where that one is well it's not that secret I mean it has a big sign that says Fatburger on it but uh, you just don't see as many people at that one as you do at the other ones I mean there's no such thing as a secret Fatburger what would be the point of having a chain of hamburger stands there's a secret Burger King no there's not a secret Burger King yeah it, you have to close your eyes and then when you open them again oh my god there it is like Brigadoon it just rose it just rose out of the mist out of my my thoughts created this I mean it's not a secret one it's just the one on, on La Cienega near the Beverly Center no one ever goes to that one I think it's the parking lot so small but there was one across the street from that one too well never mind um <laughs> So we get down there, and this place was called, again, to talk about unromantic names. Here, I, I, you know, I just believe that, I believe that ballparks and uh, places where they have concert venues, uh, or any type of stadium that has sporting events, should never be allowed. I don't give a shit if a giant, multinational, horrible, unfeeling corporation bought the place and paid for the car park. I don't care. You have to name the place after a human being that made their name there, or was it, uh, thank you, a substantial like, like Billie Jean King is from Long Beach 
Everything in Long Beach should be named after Billie Jean King. Just they never, other than Snoop, they never produced anyone of note. And Billie Jean King is more important to society than Snoop. And I'm sorry about that. I love Snoop as much as anyone. Miatch. But what's your favorite condiment? Sriatch. Thank you, kittens. Uh, but you know what I mean? So like Orange County, there's plenty of athletes and, 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 and stars and whatnot. So it's called, it's where the ducks play. The ducks are a hockey team. Uh, hockey is a game that white people like. Uh, it's often played by uh, Europeans and Russians named, uh, you know, and, uh, and then it's played by a lot of guys named Doug and Alan and shit like that from Canada. If you're in Canada, it's more important than life itself. It's like, it's like football is to the British. If you're in Canada, there's nothing, uh, well, as they say in Canada, there ain't nothing you can name like a good old hockey game. Uh, you put the biscuit in the basket, eh? Oh, oh. Oh, the Canucks are playing tonight. This one's going to be, oh, boy. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have another Molson. They would, they would never say that. They would never order a Molson. They would have a Labatt's. You Canadian? My grandpa's from Canada. Oh, your grandpa's from Canada. Wow, then you could immigrate there anytime you like. Do they have a grandfather clause there, as they call it? Uh, I think for my dad, Oh, for your dad. But he would only be a son, not a grandfather. So that fucks my whole clause right in the... <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so this is the, where the hockey team, the Anaheim Ducks, plays, who were uh, portrayed in an awesome film with Emilio Estevez. An awesome series of films. I, I believe the Mighty Ducks franchise, did it get to three? Because, okay, Major League had Major League One, Major League Two, and then was it Major League Three, the, the worst and most self-defeating title of any movie ever. Major League Three, Back to the Miners. No, it's Minor League One now. You don't get to call it Major League Three, Back to the Miners. That's like lost in space. We found it. No, you're lost in space. You're, if you're lost in space, you're lost. Not lost in space, safe at home. That's why the new Star Trek one is, what is it? The new Star Trek one is called Doubtful Sexuality or whatever. What's it called? Yeah, in, into, the, into the nearby area that's scary. It's not Star Trek. No, everything's been discovered. We're going back home to write the book. So the Mighty Ducks had Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and I don't remember what the name of the third one was. Super, this time it's fucking Ducky. This time, this time I'll duck. What was it? D3. D, it was just called D3? Yeah. The D also stands for... <laughs> this was the lean years. Uh, not lean, I'm sure it was a great franchise for Emilio Estevez, but this was before he did the tremendous movie about the Mitchell brothers with Charlie Sheen that they did for HBO a few years ago, which was uh, quite good, in fact. Uh, just to see their hair shaved off made it good. <laughs> Uh, in any case, we get down there and it's called the Honda Center. And you're like, no, nothing is the Honda Center. I don't care how unromantic and unremarkable your mundane fucking pedestrian bullshit white person making payments FDR finance life is. Nothing could be called the Honda Center. How about the Hockey Attack Plaza? How about D Duck Madness or something? You know what I mean? Let's get this fucker started on a Saturday night. First of all, there should be an insane duck with glowing eyes and steam coming out of its nostrils, uh, rotating around the top of the building. That's what a mighty duck is. Uh, okay? 
how about Drake's fucking plaza or whatever? I don't know. What, what the fuck would you call a duck place? But Honda Center, like, no. Honda Center's where you go to negotiate with an asshole. <laughs> well, I, I can't come down on the sticker, but let me show you something over here. Oh, fuck you. Really? Talk about being born in gelatin a sack. <laughs> Next to wet bread... Is anything sadder than the room they make you wait in in a car dealership that has the coffee pot in it and the, and the decanter, the giant cylinder of, of non-dairy creamer and the hideous little plastic stirrers? This is a very American thing. I don't know if people in Italy right now or Paraguay are listening and going, it's just like that here. They put you in a shitty room and a dude with a name tag comes in and just looks and then walks back out and nothing happens. Was that for me? I didn't you know. And then there's no good magazines ever. If there is, it's like Car and Driver from 2003 or whatever. You know, you like pick up the magazine. And it's like the new Tucker. Hmm. Thank you. Two people got a Tucker joke. So we the parking's a shambles. We park. I don't know where we park in some industrial park near the hockey stadium. And you're near Disneyland, you're near uh, the Big A, you're near all these things. At least the Big A is called the Big A. I don't know, I haven't been to the Big A in a few years, so uh, now that Artie Moreno owns it, for all I know, it's called Los Angeles Center of Orange County. Since he had the brass to take a team that's set in Anaheim in Orange County and call it the Los Angeles Angels. It would be like if the Los Angeles Dodgers were called the Santa Ana Dodgers of Los Angeles via Orange County, Newport Beach, stroke Escondido. The Oceanside Dodgers present geographical anomalies. Though they're over 40 miles from the actual location that their name indicates. So we pulls into the lot and we walks around. No one's getting high. No one's this. This is the thing about going to the Stones in this day and age. In this day and age, the Stones, we're talking about Anaheim. So we're talking about Orange County. So we're talking about nice white people and their friends. And they're older because this is a Stones crowd. So we're talking about upscale nice white people and they're older. So no one, as my wife pointed out, went woo. <laughs> You know how when you stand in line for a band, no matter what band it is, it could be the most serious band of all time. You could be standing in line for a fucking uh, a Philip Glass concert, and someone will in the Philip Glass line go, Woo! I mean, if you're at a shit kicker concert or whatever, if you're at a, you know, a, a, a Taylor Swift concert in Louisville, Kentucky, someone is going to be drinking from a plastic jug outside and go, Woo! That's just going to happen. There's no way to stop it. And then the other thing that people say and do and say literally now, and you know this is true, people go, woo-hoo. They actually say the words woo-hoo, which is like, really? Isn't that like going yippee? So no one yelled woo. No one yelled woo-hoo. No one was drunk in line. Only I was smoking pot on the way into the concert because I was afraid to smoke it inside a hockey rink in Anaheim. Because you never know when a duck's going to drop down with a schwatstick on its arm and a spiked helmet like in You Bet Your Life or whatever. Now you've lit in the secret reefer. The Nazi duck is here to make this the worst night of your life in Orange County. 
We understand you're smoking marijuana. For some reason, they have hillbilly accents like they're state troopers from Louisiana in the 50s. Even though they're guys named Ray who live in Orange County. So we go in. And yes, they searched us. And you're like, really? Uh, I don't think any shit's going to break out at a Stones concert in Orange County. If there's one place I can assure you that no one is going to sabotage the... Believe me, if people had to wait to get their car, there'd be a riot, okay? You, you have to understand these people's sensibilities and shit like that. If there's domestic wine being served, they're angry. You know what I mean? So... We, we files in and uh, uh, we uh, go uh, I go to the bar and um, what it, the thing about rock and roll shows is they let everyone go or anyone go or anyone and everyone go everyone and anyone can go like we went to see Bob Dylan in Orange County why does this theme keep coming up <laughs> that was 10 years ago easily uh, when he could still stand and play and stuff like that uh, his voice was no different this was the Bob Dylan you know the, the one you know <laughs> Come in, she said, I'll give you a Because he's, you know, in the 60s it was a, how does it feel? And in the, in the 70s, it, you know, you know it, the, vo- the voice was the only. Then there was the weird, you know, there was that weird Nashville skyline. But then for the last 20 years, he has no voice at ever. Uh, whatever. It's a series of yelps. Uh, it's, it's as if he's being pursued across a prairie. That's what he sings like now. Every single song is like that. It's getting dark. You're, you're about to have a gunfight with someone with emphysema. <laughs> it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. And he's got a little pencil. Then, if I wasn't such a chicken shit, I would take this sharpie and draw. <laughs> Bob Dylan's pencil thin mustache. <laughs> so we files in, and uh, but while we're in line, uh, we're stuck in a queue for a while. I don't know how to describe this. There's Christians, <laughs> and I'm not blanketing all Christians. I'm not tarring you all with the same brush. But there were Christians, and they were marching up and down the line, and they weren't giving the. You know, what do they call it in the Bible? The good news? Like, I love Jesus' message. Because if you'll recall, Jesus had a lot of groovy things to say, like, uh, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And if uh, uh, someone should strike you, turn the other cheek. And things like that. Love thy neighbor as thou would love thyself. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are the messages from the Bible I like. These Christians were walking up and down a line of 65-year-old people at a Rolling Stones concert going, And the day will come! And it will come with a reckoning! And there will be fire! And there will be pestilence! And at that day, you will have to be counted! I'm like, Brohaim! The people in front of us have a condo on Kauai. There is no day of reckoning for them. (laughs) Have you picked the wrong venue for Armageddon? Okay, it's not going to happen here. Even if it was going to happen, people here would just ignore you. There could be hail on fire coming from the sky. In Orange County, people would be like, well, let's get inside. It'll stop soon and everything will be just the way it was. 
I mean, you know. So, the Stones are extraordinarily... Uh, 50 years on, I can't fucking believe it. Mick Jagger's dick and his waist and his hair. Although, I have to say, this is only a minor complaint. He, he has bitching hair and he has it in a mullet, which he should. He, Mick Jagger needs to have his ears covered. He should never have short hair. But his bangs were slightly too short. So, they went to here. So, there was kind of a Hans Brinker... <laughs> Dutch boy paint kind of situation. You know what I mean? I'm Buster Brown. I live in a shoe. Here's my dog, Tig. He lives in there, too. Right? There was a page boy feel to the fringe. Grow it a little bit longer. I'm hoping by the end of the tour it's long. Keith. Keith looks like he was left in the sun. He has not, he's not dying anymore. Uh, 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 an insane white shock that goes every which way. Like if you remember the character from the Muppets, Beaker. <laughs> Just this white. And this flash. And he's got a big do-rag on it to hide the fact that his hair is receding, which is cool. And he was wearing like a purple shirt and a vest and his little pants and whatnot. And he's a little... Uh, his head starts normally and then the ears orangutan out at an insane angle. And then the bottom of the head is completely... Like, it, like it's a bag of liquid. It's just like... And now he's completely Yiddish on stage. Every time there's a close-up and he's there behind a giant screen, he's been playing guitar. And he goes, and the camera goes on him. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's one of the dinosaurs in the Flintstones now. Every time the camera hit him, he was like, it's a living. Ronnie looked good. Ronnie looked... I said Ronnie looked like uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy. And my wife said, no. He looks like Sarek, as played by Mark Leonard on Star Trek. And then I went one further and said, no. He looks like T'Pau, the queen of the Klingon, of the Vulcans. If you've ever seen the T'Pau mating episode of Star Trek, the original program. That is what Ron Wood looks like now. Go home. Stop the show right now if you're listening. Go on your computer or phone and Google T apostrophe P-A-U to pow the queen of the Vulcans and you and then Google Ron Wood. <laughs> Playing his sacred instrument. Charlie had the best haircut I've ever seen. So sexy, so sophisticated. He's 70 years old. Completely white hair. Little fucking tasty, tasty John Smedley short sleeve polo neck. Or, or, or uh, uh, rugby. But we saw him before he had a polo neck. Years ago, we went to see them in Las Vegas. We walked into the MGM Grand Garden Arena, which is also a shitty name for a place. But at least it, it fakes you out. There is no garden in the MGM Garden Arena. <laughs> There is nothing garden-like about uh, MGM Grand in Las Vegas whatsoever. There might be a plant or something somewhere. But uh, uh, we were playing there uh, earlier this year, and Rush was playing. And yeah, as, as my friend Jeff Davis, who you will know uh, from for, uh, recent stories on the podcast, he, of course, the DC taxicab story, uh, the Don't Fight Me story on the bus, and many Harmontowns, uh, of which Jeff Davis is an integral party, he was the comptroller in Harmontown. Um, Jeff said... 
uh, when Rush was playing the MGM Garden Arena. I have never seen this many silver ponytails in one place in my life. <laughs> so, we was at the MGM Garden Arena to see the Stones several years ago. At 2000... Mm, let me see, who died there? Uh, see what I did? Yeah. Um, the Giants didn't do anything that year. And in any case, we walked in the Garden Arena, and who was standing there? Uh, Huggy Bear. Yeah, it's it, Antonio Fargus, the actor who played Huggy Bear from the Starsky and Hutch program, when we walked in. And when you see someone like that, you're like, uh, I, all I can think of is the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> What's up to the huggers? So there was no celebs in last night, and not that I could see, not in the section we were in. But we get in there, and uh, uh, like I say, Charlie had a bitchin' haircut. Uh, they brought up Mick Taylor, who was in the 70s version of the Stones. Now, Mick Taylor joined the Stones after Brian Jones, uh, uh, pa- or, well, Brian Jones was fired from the Stones. Well, I'm not going to go into the whole mystery. That, that's a whole other series of podcasts. <laughs> what happened to Brian Jones? In any case, he was asked by the Stones to be in the band. He joined, and by five years later, he was doing coke for breakfast and heroin for lunch and death for dinner and shit. So he was only in his 20s. He quit the fucking stones and then spent the next 20 years kicking around and being an awesome musician which he is now um, but they have him there every night on the tour which is fantastic and then at the end he takes a bow with them like he's been there the whole time on stage but it was because he was with them for fucking sticky fingers and goat's head soup and exile on main street so he deserves it he quit the stones he said because he thought he was going to die not uh, not of, of death of being in the stones <laughs> And then someone asked him in an interview, uh, uh, what what was your biggest mistake quitting the Stones? And he went, my biggest mistake was joining the Stones. I didn't think I'd be shooting heroin every afternoon for fucking five years when I joined them. Anyway, uh, it was great. And uh, if you get a chance, I mean, the tickets cost too much. And I think that's the problem. I think they're having to come down on the ticket price. I I don't think anyone alerted the Stones to the fact that we're at about 20% unemployment. And there's people in this country who have been looking for a job since the Stones were on tour last time. There's people who have been unemployed so long, they've been unemployed since the last good Stones album, okay? So I leave it to you to, to pin point that moment. Uh, the groovy thing about their playlist was they opened with fucking uh, uh, um, uh, Yeah, Get Off My Cloud. They opened with uh, uh, Get Off My Cloud. They did Paint It Black. They did a lot of the 60s junk early on. And then awesomely in the middle of the show Emotional Rescue, which I don't know if anyone remembers this fucking cheese dog from 1980. It's a a total Stones disco classic. And now it's been so long that it is a classic. And that was the thing. I'm old enough to remember when we turned our noses up at that song. Last night, I'm like, I feel sad. I'm fucking wailing to it. And I thought, okay, I am 100. Now I can't make fun of them anymore. Uh, so it was good fun. Um, I mean, they, the thing is, they deliver, right? Uh, you know, yeah, they're ancient and shit, but um, they're not the worst old group I've ever seen. Uh, I, I hesitate to say who the worst old group I ever saw was. I've seen, I've seen Lou Reed and Bob Dylan, uh, John Cage, as discussed on the show, all quite older than everyone in this room here, all in magnificent form. The greatest show I think I've ever seen, my wife and I were discussing it the other night, uh, that we've ever seen, was Ornette Coleman, who was uh, 78 at the time, teetered out on stage with a toy saxophone. <laughs> teetered. When I say teeter, I mean, like I walked onto the stage. This is how Arnett Coleman came onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then... Like for fucking two hours. It was unbelievably good. It was good. Trust me. Uh, I've seen Herbie Hancock. Oh, he's not that old, I suppose, in the late 60s. Sonny Rollins, who was in his 70s. Uh, I can think of it. Joe Henderson, before he passed, who had to be 75, 80. It, it, the, the age of an artist doesn't matter. He said, emphasizing that, think of how old I am. The age of an artist doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it's whether you can do the business, right? Um, I saw a, a member of the group, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, the one named Stephen. And... <laughs> This was years ago in a venue in Florida, and he sang Woodstock, right, which was one of the big hits by them, written by Jenny Mitchell. And this is how he sang it. By the time we got to Woodstock, we were... So that was a little disappointing. Like, Prince is my age. Uh, exactly. I think he was born the same year as me, maybe the year before. In any case, if you go to see Prince, uh, he throws down uh, really hard, and he's awesome at every moment. Uh, so let's get the show started. Before we get going, a couple of items. Uh, the, uh, we play all over the world. Uh, and like that. If you want to send me a question, and I have questions, we're supposed to read a few tonight. We'll see if we do. Smartestdeathaspecialthing.com. If you want to poisonly poke me, it's fanmail4greg at gmail.com. I know. I haven't answered your question. I know. You wrote me two weeks ago. There's a hundred questions on there now, and I haven't answered them. But I'm going to get to them because I have a big road trip coming up. So hopefully one of these golden hours when I'm sitting in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas, uh, <laughs> will be the moment when my mind turns to you. Um, and we will connect on the interweb. And I thank you all for all the gifts you give me and all the letters you send me and all the emails I get. I really do appreciate it. The reason I do this show uh, is for that very contact and the contact of others uh, and, and those who I, I was going to say strangers. But really, we're not strangers. We're just people who haven't fucking sat down together in, in a pool of liquid that we created. <laughs> We're people who haven't bathed each other in our electrolytes and let the communality of our aura dictate the mode of fucking uh, communication. That's all we are. That and we are stardust and we are golden. Or as Stephen Stills would have said, we are stardust. <laughs> and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. We will be in Washington, D.C. I think this drops the day before we play D.C. This is going to drop next Monday, right? Yeah. Right. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan is fixing up the Zoom right now for me to take it to D.C. What's a Zoom, Greg? Never mind. Uh, all you need to know is all I want to do is zoom a zoom, zoom a zoom, and a poom poom. And shake, shake the rump. <laughs> Uh, we'll be at the D.C. Improv. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm happy to report that we've already sold a lot of tickets to the D.C. Improv show. So please, come and visit us if you live in the District of Columbia, IA, uh, where marijuana, I believe, is uh, decriminalized. I don't know if they have uh, dispensaries there, but it's one of the places in this great nation of ours. Were they also talking about, is gay marriage uh, legal in D.C.? Is that one of the municipalities in this country? We, we don't give the District of Columbia statehood because we want them to be oppressed and have no voice in our democracy. And yet at the same time, we 
We want them to be able to see the giant houses uh, where the uh, corporate bought and sold people who run this fucking uh, a nation full of uh, unbelievably overarmed, vested interests uh, do their graft and chicanery. And from those vaulted buildings and vaunted buildings, uh, the decisions are made uh, by older white men who know better than us uh, about the things that are going to happen in this country and the kind of legal decisions that will determine our future. And uh, yet the people of the District of Columbia IA are not allowed to vote. Uh, and I won't be taking a cab there unless I absolutely have to, because as I said, you cross zones there, and it's an improbable way of traveling. Uh, oh, we sell T-shirts on our website, gregproops.com. By the way, this show's free to download. You probably already figured that out if you're listening to it. Um, it's also on Stitcher, I think. Sometimes it is. I don't know. I don't put it on Stitcher. Do we put it on Stitcher? It, yes. It goes up on its own. It goes up on its own. Don't you love that about the internet? <laughs> It's magic. It just does whatever it wants whenever it wants to. Hello, my love. I heard a kiss from you. Uh, okay. It just goes up on its own. But it's on iTunes, and it's on gregproops.com, and it's on proopcast.com. Uh, and don't ask me how to download it once you get there. Fucking click twice. Make an effort. <laughs> when I put up a link on the Twitter, and it says you can buy tickets to this gig tonight, click this link. Don't fucking tweet me and go, how do I get tickets? <laughs> Someone wrote me the other day and wrote, how did I not know you didn't, ha- you have a podcast? How am I to know how you didn't know that I had a podcast? Because you live at the very end of Carlsbad Caverns? Because you live in the Marianas Trench, 30,000 feet under the sea? Because you live on a remote part of Nehi, the one island in the archipelago of Hawaii that no one's allowed to go to and has no Wi-Fi as far as I know? I didn't know how you don't know. I know. You're like the information society. I want to know what you're thinking. Something is on my mind. Um, that was one of the most egregious mohawks in the history of MTV. The DC Improv on the 21st of May, on the 25th of May, will be at the Bell House in uh, Brooklyn in the Gowanus neighborhood. Uh, near, as I've pointed out many times, a McDonald's that no one goes to. <laughs> Only Ernest Borgnine can drive you there in the movie Escape from New York. <laughs> this is how you get in a cab in the Gowanus neighborhood. Hit it. <laughs> and then they go, because they always do in New York, where to? And then it just, just go, call me Snake. <laughs> They'll know where to go. The Bell House. Come and see me. Uh, we'll be showing Dog Day Afternoon at the Cine Family on Fairfax Avenue on the 28th of May. If you've not seen Dog Day Afternoon, wow. I've talked about it on the last podcast. I'm not going to go into it again. This is when Al Pacino was Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Not the Al Pacino of today, but Al Pacino classic rock Mount Rushmore Al Pacino. They, they were going to redo Al, um, Mount Rushmore in 1974. And in between, Jefferson and Lincoln put Al Pacino's head. <laughs> so that he could be going, Wyoming's not a country, Sal. <laughs> if history has taught us one thing, Kay, it's that anyone, anywhere can be killed. My father doesn't have people murdered. Now who's being naive, okay? <laughs> so, Dog Day you'll love. 
Lately, I've been thinking about how much I miss my baby. I'm arena in a cornfield. That's the opening song to the movie. Uh, on the 18th of June. Really? We don't have any gigs between then? We're going we're gonna to end up at Lubitsch. Or maybe back here at the Nerd Melt um, uh, uh, at the beginning of June. We're, we're trying for some dates, I believe. At the 18th of June and the 23rd of June, we'll be at the Soho Theater in London doing the Proopcast. That whole week, by the way, I'll be doing stand-up there, should you wish to come and see me. And I'm working on a new set because we're going to make a video in July uh, of my stand-up. And yes, it'll be available earlier in the year. Can I give you any more details than that? No. Can you attend? I don't fucking know. But you might be able to. And if you are, I'll let you know if you can. Uh, but it'll come out probably in the autumn, but we're going to shoot it in July. Uh, but why do stand-up when you do a two-hour show every week where you just rattle off your ass? You know, it's for the kids. <laughs> There's a small child out there whose one side of his head is made out of, uh, uh, you know, a pomegranate. And that's the child I'm trying to reach. Uh, then on the 27th of June we'll be in Amsterdam at the Dines Theater uh, uh, please come and see us there if you are in Amsterdam or even if you're in England it's fucking 40 minutes from England by plane it's close it's fucking close even if you're in Germany uh, you know who I'm Jassy you're in Germany come on over uh, to Amsterdam yeah we're gonna smoke dope before the show fuck yeah <laughs> I'd like to see my wife try to extricate me from the fucking <laughs> And as you know, in Amsterdam, because it's a subtle place, there's a dope bar for every taste. There's a gay disco dope bar. There's a gay ambient dope bar. There's a regular dope bar. There's a football fan dope bar. There's a coffee dope bar. There's a, there's a dope bar for Rastas. There's a dope bar for Iraqi immigrants. There's a dope bar for everybody. So I will be at the bespectacled dudes who are too old to like funk bar. <laughs> I believe it's called Outstanding is the name of it. And yeah, and when you walk in, it just goes Hollywood swinging, Hollywood what swinging, Hollywood swinging like that forever and ever. And then when you go, what kind of dope uh, would you like? They go hi. <laughs> then we'll be in Norway and Oslo at a place called Laughter. Yes, it's, I believe they pronounce it later, but uh, we can say laughter. Uh, we're going to be uh, shooting a new version of The Killing called The Prooping, and uh, we're going to be uh, the girl with the, the dragon tat proop is also going to be shit. There. We're doing all the Scandinavian shows one after the next while we're there. Um, a Scandinavian guy tweeted the other day, he was trying to be helpful, and he wrote, ticket sales are slow. He tweeted that and then wrote, make it happen, Internet. And I tweeted him back and went, don't say ticket sales are slow. It makes people think they're going to something uncool. Let the ticket sales pick. This is how you do it. Tickets are still available, <laughs> even if they are slow. So Norway, God damn it. Get on your fucking narwhal and ride toward this show. <laughs> come off your tiny island where you've got a girl trapped in your basement in a cage and fucking come to my show, God damn it, Norway. Stop collaborating with the Nazis during World War II and pull it together. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I need all the Leaf the Luckies and Eric the Reds to get in their longboats with the eyes painted on the side and sail their ass to the Laughter Theater in Oslo where we are going to party like a puffin on a flow. <laughs> Well, you ain't seen nothing till you're down with a puffin then you show to be a change in your ways. <laughs> will I be bringing dope from Amsterdam to Norway? Only you will know. <laughs> I will be drinking a $35 vodka when I'm in... Uh, what do they drink in Norway? Abelskeeper? No, that's, uh, that's what they eat in Solvang. Um, what is it? Uh, what's the drink they drink in... Um, uh, uh, um, 
Not a, what is it called? Absinthe? Not absinthe. Them, uh, you know the aquavit. Yeah, thank you. We used to have a song in high school. I remember I had a friend named Candy. Candy. And uh, <laughs> speaking of funk from the eighties, Candy. Oh wow, she's so fine. <laughs> no one remembers cameo. It's like candy, candy. Wow. <laughs> she make me feel. It's like candy. Fucking look up candy right now. By cameo. You'll never stop watching it. You'll never stop watching it. You resist me, but then when you watch candy by candy, I get I get emails and people go, you, you told me to, you told me to watch Strawberry Letter and then I watched it and I loved it. You don't have to cry when you write the email. When I tell you that you'll watch Candy and then watch Word Up like a thousand times. LeVar Burton is in the Word Up video. Nothing is more rewarding than the... Than the and one of the policemen in the Word Up video takes his shirt off and does a gay spin and then joins the group against the police. This is how the video of Word Up opens. LeVar Burton has a, a mega a, a bullhorn and he goes, Cameo! Don't even think about it! <laughs> We've got the place surrounded. And then it goes, oh, 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 oh. And Larry Blackman goes, ow. When you have to dance like this, y'all pretty Yeah, it is fucking. Yeah, it's like candy. She makes me feel so. No, no, ow. I'll, you know, to, to, to paraphrase Jesus, let he who was without a giant red funk cod piece from the early 80s. <laughs> Join me in Oslo, won't you? I'm sorry I said you collaborated with the Nazis during the war. <laughs> All I'm saying is the Bismarck sister ship, the Tirpitz, was located in Norway during in a fjord. And I've been to Hitler's secret bunker, which I discussed on a previous show. And then Elvis Costello said it in one of his uh, green shirt, is it? Well, somewhere in the Quizlink when it does a shorthand type of sticking seconds of a minute. He's listening in on the Venus line. He's taking down names. I hope none of them are mine. Because you tease and you flirt and you shine all the buttons on your green shirt. Well, you can please yourself, but somebody's going to get it. I never meant to be a stool pigeon. I never meant to be a diplomat. Everybody is under suspicion, but you don't want to hear about that. Because you tease and you flirt and you shine all the buttons on your... So that's what Norway's like. We have t-shirts. That's what I was going to say. Gregprips.com. The t-shirts are coming, then. I am the old Norwegian sea captain. Uh, the t-shirts are on gregproops.com. We have um, uh, uh, Smartest Man in the World ones and kittens. Diane, would you mind standing up and modeling the Smartest Man? Our friend Diane, it's her birthday tonight. Let's have a hand for Diane. She's wearing the Smartest Man in the World t-shirt. 
Some people call them t-shirts. Some people call them power sheaths. One thing is certain. They attract the people you want to attract and they repel the people that you don't want in your world. Have you found this to be true, Diane? I have. Thank you. We have not met, nor have we prearranged anything. Is that correct? We have met, but we didn't prearrange anything. Thank you, Diane, and happy birthday again to you. Um, so she's wearing one. You can see how svelte they are and how groovy they are. They're, they're black, and they have orange lettering. Why, Greg? Because I like the San Francisco Giants. And then there's kittens ones, and the kittens ones say kittens, and then on the back, McTavish. On the very back of the Smartest Man in the World shirt, it says Paige. Uh, and someone wrote me and went, how come it says Paige? And I was like, because it's Satchel Paige. And then someone else wrote and went, how come you don't put his number on it? It's because he played for a million different fucking teams. <laughs> He didn't have a number. He had Page. Satchel Page, guaranteed to strike out the side. Satchel Page, all stars. Page on the plane. Page on the suitcase. Page on the thing. He didn't have a number. He was a man. I'm not a number. <laughs> Who is number one? You are number six. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. I will not be fold, spindled, mutilated, briefed, debriefed. Bum, bum, bum. When I was watching The Prisoner when I was a little kid, I never realized it was a hard-hitting documentary. A spy is captured by his own government when he resigns and thrown on an island with a bunch of other spies and he has no idea how it's going to end or who's in charge of even the island at all. And I think this happens every day in this world. Uh, I never did when I was little. I wasn't that cynical, of course. I still thought Mickey Mouse was cool and, you know, Bugs Bunny and whatnot. I had, I had hope in my heart. Uh, don't you still, Greg? Oh, fuck yeah. That's why I'm going to Norway and shit. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When you take a ship into Norway, is it cool to pillage when you get there? <laughs> if I set fire to a monastery, just theoretically, theoretically, if I set fire to a monastery and ravaged all the people who worked there and then took their, goodie, or their goodies and booty back to my, my land and shared it with my people and made my wife wear a braid, would that be bad? I'd never make my wife wear a braid. What do they call them? Plates. P-L-A-I-T-S. Plates like Lena Levitch. You know. But I've got to have a car. I need it for the weekend. I've got to have a stereo. I need the new toy. Oh, yeah. It was so important in the early 80s to go OAO. And, and ah, oh, ah, oh, like that. That was important, too. It was so important. And, yeah. Uh, the 18th of, Je- of July uh, will be... Um, Ooh, we've got so many gigs. Uh, the 18th of July, we'll be at the San Francisco Punchline. Um, we'll also be at the Punchline all that week doing our new comedy jokes. Um, the 25th of uh, July, we'll be in Galway, at the Galway, uh, um, whatever the fuck it's called. The, oh, the good times you're trying to talk. And Galway. I can barely stand. I can barely hold the mic. I'm so fucking rat arsed. <laughs> Uh, we'll be at the Galway Festival uh, doing our pub, uh, pub, our pubcast, <laughs> our pub, our pubcast uh, from Galway, and that'll be great fun. And then I'm going to do improv for a couple days, uh, one day in Galway, one day in Dublin with uh, Steve Frost and um, Steve Steen and Ian Coppinger and Andy Smart, uh, that, that group of I- improvisers, the English people will definitely know what I'm talking about. They're the adjunct who's line uh, tertiary group that's awesome beyond all measure, and it's going to be great fun. Then we're going to the Edinburgh Festival from the 31st to the 15th. And I'll be in Edinburgh at the Gilded Balloon doing my stand-up every night. We'll also be doing three podcasts from the Gilded Balloon.
balloon on the 3rd, the 10th, and the 15th uh, of August there. So uh, there's many podcasts for you to attend. We're also going to be adding a few at the beginning of June somewhere here in Los Angeles, whether here. Uh, I, I don't know if Danielle will ever have me back, but if, whether it's here or whether it's at the Bar Lubitsch. Uh, well, we better get the show started, and we only have a couple minutes left now. <laughs> my wife gave me this story. Well, let's be honest. My wife gave me all these fucking stories, but she particularly gave me this one. And I wanted to read it to you because I think it's uh, of great interest. This is from The Guardian uh, UK. Uh, by the way, the other reason is this week, you may have noticed this week that it's been a heinous week in political uh, turnings. Not only is there the aftermath of uh, what happened in Cleveland and what happened in New Orleans, uh, uh, the uh, IRS situation, which is beyond measure of the most duplicitous, stupid fucking uh, thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. Uh, the wiretapping of the AP journalists. It's been, the, the White House is under siege now, quite frankly, because uh, as you know, this country is run by right-wing media that's owned by right-wing corporations. There's what, how many media outlets that are owned by like three companies, really? So that's why when you turn on the news, you listen to the radio or you watch TV, if you even do any of these things, which I presume you don't, because you're a hip, groovy alternative crowd that looks at your phone all day. So if you've been on your Facebook and one of your friends Facebook something like this, you'll know what I'm talking about this week. I just couldn't bear it, quite frankly. I'd had the fucking radish. That's why I wanted to talk about stupidity all fucking night long, because I'm so fucking over the Obama administration right now, I could retroactively vote Romney. I'm joking, of course, but I knew I wanted to get a rise out of you. I, I could no more retroactively vote Romney than I could retroactively go back and vote for George Wallace in 1968. You can Google him. This is from uh, The Guardian. Canberra is the capital of Australia. Really? I thought shrimp on the barbie was. I played Canberra a couple years ago, and we stayed at... Remember that hotel, Jennifer? It was really fun. There were cockatoos all over the lawn. There really were. It was great. That's the thing about being in Australia. A cockatoo will land on a, on a light, on a, a street light or a, a stoplight. You'll, you'll be in the middle of Sydney and a flock of parrots will fly over and you're like, or a giant bat the size of a dog will fly over. And you're like, fucking we are in Australia. What does what is, what is, what is Judy Garland say? If, if, the, if, the, if the crows back home saw you, they'd be scared to death. If, the, if, the, if in L.A., if the crow, if those fucking people in L.A. know what I'm talking about, people who are listening out in podcast land, the crows in this town are vicious and heedless. They're like juvenile delinquents is what they are. The, the young male crows in this town hang together in packs. And I'm talking about the bird, the crow, like Heckle and Jekyll. Giant fucking crows. You know how they horribly... and run and they walk and they look at you and they look at you. They have horrible sharp scissor-like beaks and they'll mass and the young adolescent males will gather and they fuck with each other. And they, the, Yesterday, as we're driving into our driveway, my wife and I saw two crows locked in a mortal death grip hit the fucking ground together, fighting. They were air fighting and they just, bam, hit the ground and then they got up and flew away. And I was like, that's revolting. It's like watching rats have a spit fight or something. You're just like, gross. Stop fighting crows. Get out of my driveway. If the crows here saw a bat the size of a fucking German shepherd fly by. God, I'd love to bring one of those bats here. 
get the crows to shut the fuck up for two minutes. Sometimes the crows chase the squirrels around my yard. Oh, it's no, my, my, no, I have a fucking, I live in an animated feature. <laughs> this is from The Guardian. Canberra Minister Shane Rattenbury, great name, treated in hospital. We don't use the, we don't use prepositions. If you're English speaking, uh, 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 I mean Anglo, Anglo, super Anglo, like England. Here we go to the hospital because we have to have a preposition before the noun. In England, they go to hospital. Don't ask me why. They've left the preposition out. Uh, Shane Radbury treated in hospital after being kicked to the ground by marsupial during a morning jog. (laughs) A good comic would stop there. I already got the laugh. Shane Rattenberry, Australian politician attacked by a kangaroo. An Australian politician taking his morning jog through the capital. And yes, Canberra is the capital of Australia, not Sydney and not Melbourne and not Cairn and not Adelaide and not Darwin and not Perth. Canberra. And it's in the middle of fucking nowhere because I've been there and we drove a long time and then it took a long time to get to anywhere else from Canberra. It was weird where they put it. Uh, But there were cockatoos everywhere. Did I mention that? Uh... And the food wasn't so bad. It was okay. Fun gig. Uh, what else was there, Greg? Well, I asked for cheery ribes, right? Like they go, do you have a rider? And I'm like, I don't have a rider. I'd, lo- I'd love to be a, like a douchebag and have a rider and shit. Like, like Jennifer Lopez or whatever. I have, to have, I have to have seven white diptych candles. I have to have a rug woven from the silk of the certain nodules of the booty of specific silkworms from Indonesia. I have to have non-fat, carbohydrateless, you know, uh, uh, you know, pork rinds. I have to have a bowl of jelly bellies, but only the coconut ones. I have to have lavender-scented toyshire chocolates, you know, with chili, whatever. You know how you read these people's writers. So I always want Coke. I don't mean blow. I mean, <laughs> I don't drink soda, really. So it'll be, co- it'll be coffee, water, maybe Coca-Cola. My, my old road manager, Mark Rainbow, in England wanted orange juice, so we always had orange juice. I, I would no more drink orange juice than I would eat, like, a crow. <laughs> Not a big orange juice person. But um, unless it's blood orange juice and it's Sicily, and the sun is just coming up over the... And you feel, you know, you can smell the salt coming off the Mediterranean and you gaze out and then behind you there's a lemon-scented breeze. At that moment, I would drink a blood orange juice. But other than that, when you get a big fucking icky glass of warm-ass Tropicana put in front of you, you're like, this is going to make my stomach churn. I might as well go on a roller coaster at Knott's Berry Farm a thousand times. In a row, or drink this orange juice. My stomach's going to feel the same way. So, an Australian politician, Shane Rattenbury, a minister in the Australian Capital Territory government that administers Canberra, said he was jogging along the pavement. That means the sidewalk. In suburb- they have pavement. We have sidewalks. They have railings. We have bars. They have roundabouts. We have roundabouts. Uh, and if you're yes, you'll be the roundabout. The woods will take you out and out. We'll spend the day your way. Call it morning driving through the desert, in and out the valley, in and around the lake. Mm. Mountains come out of the. Um, 
He almost jogging along the pavement in suburban Ainsley when he almost collided with an eastern gray kangaroo that had been grazing on a front lawn. I'm going to pause while you Google eastern gray kangaroo. <laughs> Kangaroos come in many sizes in Australia. There are tree kangaroos. Yes, there are. There's kangaroos that live in the trees. Fuck, wow. Uh, there's little red wallabies, uh, as sung of by the Rolling Stones. I am the little red wallaby. And uh, there's, But there's the giant ones. I think I've told this story on the show before. If I have, fuck it. Um, my wife and I were at a golf course out near the sea, and there were giant, the big giant kangaroos. And a guy teed off and hit a golf ball right into the head of one of the kangaroos. And it bounced off the kangaroo's head. These kangaroos were six feet tall, and there was hundreds of them, right? Now, they don't attack you. They're cool. So you're just watching, and there's just millions of kangaroos. And a guy teed off, bam, and the, and the ball hit the kangaroo. And I mean it. Uh, can I hit this wall? It made... Bam, it made a noise and just shot off the kangaroo's head. And the kangaroo went and kept going. Like it didn't even feel it. Like it didn't even feel it. Their skulls are thick as fuck. And they eat them. They eat them. They eat them. I mean, they're popular, but they eat them. Know that. Uh, Jogging along when he was almost collided with the eastern gray kangaroo that had been grazing on a front lawn. Well, they graze. And you know how kangaroos, they... <laughs> the Easter gray has big, big ears, right? Uh, they're really cute. And they have long noses and big, big, big feet. We both got a nasty fright. And of course, when kangaroos are startled, they lash out, the 41-year-old said. Great, great news writing here. I, I love news writers. The 41-year-old said. Does anyone remember his name? No, Shane Rattenbury. I would have repeated it there. Yeah. Mr. Rattenbury said... Not the 41-year-old said. Well, now we know how old he is. That was their clever way of dispensing more information by forcing you to go back to the first paragraph to see what the guy's fucking name was. As the kangaroo sought to escape, it landed on me and its claws dug into my leg. Rattenberry said the four-foot-seven-inch marsupial knocked him to the ground. Four-foot-seven-inch. Ready for a rodent that tall? <laughs> With feet like this, they can fucking put you in the Yeah, yeah. The possums of Los Angeles? We have possums here. That's our marsupial. Uh, knocked him to the ground with paws drawing blood from two deep scratches on his left. There was a photo of it in the paper. I don't have it with me. The nurse who treated me had treated someone before who had been scratched by a kangaroo and ended up with a very bad infection, Rottenberry said. She was quite keen to give the wound a good clean out. It's, I'm going to read it with an Australian accent because I think it makes it funner. <laughs> the nurse who treated me had treated someone before and had been scratched by a kangaroo and ended up with a very bad infection. <laughs> So she's quite kind to give the wind a good clean out. <laughs> I mixed New Zealand in there. He was, this is the best part of the story. I've got to go back to this line. When the minister limped into the ACT parliament a few hours after his ordeal, he was bemused that many colleagues seemed more concerned about the kangaroo's welfare. <laughs> what did I say about liberals? <laughs> I hit a deer on the way over, and my car spun out of control, and we landed in a ditch, and I had to take my wife to the hospital. You hit a deer? 
I can assure people that the kangaroo is fine. It was last seen hopping off into the distance quite comfortably. <laughs> Greg, can I ask what accent you're doing? Yes. I'm doing Mel Gibson from the movie Mad Max. <laughs> you want the gas? You come to me. I reckon you got a bag and... What's with it, you, Max? What happened to you out there in the wasteland? Killed too many people, see too many people killed. You think that makes you special, Max? Get scratched by one too many wallabies? Kangaroos are among Australia's best-loved native species, and a kangaroo and an emu feature on the coat of arms. They, in fact, do. If you look at the coat of arms of Australia, there's a kangaroo on one side... Nothing is more horrifying than emus. <laughs> emus are the scariest goddamn bird you'll ever... Uh, there's two birds I will ward you off of. It. Ostriches aren't going to fucking fuck with you because you're never going to run into an ostrich. And you're probably going to eat one before you see one. Because they sell them at every fucking... There's Gelson's has ostrich. You can cry all you like. Oh. But cassowaries and emus are absolutely mortifying. Emus... And we saw lots of them in Oz, the zoo and whatnot. Fucking emus are about yay tall, body like this big, like a barrel, giant. Their feet are three enormous claws with a spur on the back. And how an emu gets you is it pokes you with its enormous, sharp, razor-like bill, and then it kicks the fuck out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah. And when you see emus, they're like... They're quite horrible. They're quite horrible. And Rod Hull, God rest him. God rest him. Again, one more thing to Google besides Cameo Candy. Google Rod Hull and Emu. Rod Hull was a comedian, and he was a ventriloquist, except he didn't do any voices. He was just Australian. And on his arm, he wore an emu, right? Like the emu, he held the emu. And the emu was his hand inside a fucking dick. And all the emu did was rape everyone that it talked to, okay? Like, he'd go on Johnny Carson, and the next thing you know, fucking Carson's on the floor, and he's fucking on him. Just, just, that's all he did. You watch Rod Hull and Emu, and you will cry laughing. There was no act. He got, hello, Emu, and the Emu, and he'd fucking beat it down. And then, like, Dean Martin would go, well, you got quite an Emu there. And, ah! and then fucking Emu just fucking... That was the whole show. That was the whole show. That was the whole show. He did it for 30 years. It was the greatest actor I've ever seen. Rod Hull and Emu. Sometimes he was on Laughing, where all they did was tell jokes. He didn't even tell jokes. He was just, ah, fucking Emu. Kangaroos rarely harm people. Although in 2009, one jumped through a bedroom window of a Canberra home late at night. And terrorized a family. How does a kangaroo terrorize a family? I'm gonna play ACDC all night long. before a householder wrestled it out the front door. 
I'm not wrestling a fucking kangaroo at the front door. I don't care how much it's terrorizing you. I will be in my room crying. I'll be smoking some, uh, uh, what do they call it? New South Wales dank. Karen Vickers, a senior vet, said the public should remain vigilant. Russell, what is it, Jane? What's that noise? Boing, boing, boing. Freedom from kangaroos is the price of eternal vigilance. Growing, no- growing numbers, growing numbers of kangaroos. I am Kanga Hermi Raw. We're likely to venture d- venture. I don't say kangaroos venture, they bound. Okay, other animals venture. Kiwis venture. Kiwis go. <laughs> kangaroos boing, boing, boing. Ow, I didn't even feel it. Venture deeper into the city suburbs to feed on freshly watered lawns in the drier months ahead. And then this is uh, 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 Australian Broadcasting Corporation Radio. It sounds like they startled each other and shine came off worse. <laughs> They're really not out to get us. <laughs> or are they? <laughs> My name is Greg Proops and I'm here to talk about a situation that everyone is ignoring or choosing to ignore. <laughs> As the kangaroos venture deeper into the suburbs, we must all remain vigilant. There may come a night where you hear a pounding at your front door. Suddenly, a wallaby's inside you, terrorizing your family. Don't let them put you in your pouch and jump away with you, because you never know where you'll end up. I've been Greg Proops. This is the Smartest Man in the World podcast, and I will bid you good night. Page. May every bell that rings view be a cool bubble bell. I wish you nothing but love. Good night, everybody.